Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Kruger. He is an executive mentor coach and CEO of MentorPath, which is an executive coaching, training, publishing, and wellness firm. His website is MentorPath.com. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks. It's a privilege to be here. Just give us a little bit of background about your background leading into this new book you've just come out called Your New Money Story. Okay. I practiced psychiatry and psychoanalysis for 25 years, was clinical professor at Baylor College of Medicine, and made a transition exclusively to mentor coaching just over a dozen years ago. Uh, A little bit of what I do is dean of curriculum at Coach Training Alliance, but mostly I work with individuals all over the world because we work by telephone and train my own new money story mentors as well. Very good. So the core of your belief is everybody has what they call a money story. Maybe describe what a money story is. Yeah, a a money story is not someone's income, expenses, assets, debt, or net worth. It's their relationship with money the plot and storylines of a money autobiography. And it's more complicated than it may seem because it's emotional, unspoken, even unconscious. A a money story is the secret language of money at work, the unconscious tale that we tell ourselves about what we say with money, what it means to us, what money says to us. It's a running dialogue of how much we feel we deserve, how much we think we're worth, how much we assume we're capable of. And about 90 to 95% of this story is unconscious. Our operating system is largely unconscious, as we know now from neuroscience, which is why it's helpful to know the algorithms, to know the components of that story that we're writing without even thinking about it. So when people grow up, they have a certain experience. It could be a positive experience. It could be a negative experience. How does that factor into the money story that they have if 90 to 95% of it is unconscious anyway? Well, we begin early on and have various kinds of patterns, relationship patterns, uh, attachment patterns, emotional, behavioral patterns, and so many of those are automatic without even thinking about them. So there are various things that we attribute to money. Worth, autonomy, security, freedom, love, opportunity, power. All of these things can be in that shadow story that's that 90 to 95% of our operating system. So here's an example of that. I want to generate more income and create wealth. And that's a a very logical, conscious, reasonable surface story. Now, the shadow story may, because of early patterns that we downloaded from parents or earlier or even more current experiences, go in the opposite direction, whether or not it's conscious. I don't think I really have what it takes. What if I put myself out and then I can't do it and I'm embarrassed or some kinds of equations, like, well, having a lot of money or wealth is not spiritual. So many things can interfere, and the, the zinger is that so many of 
the ways that we attempt change are contrary to the way the mind and the brain work. So that's why we have to be aware and have some awareness of how we want to change. So some of it, what goes into your money story is what's happening in your own family, but some of it is what's happening in society in general. For example, people who went through the Depression are very cautious and kind of penny pinchers, whereas uh, the baby boomers that went through, for the most part, prosperity are bigger spenders. So is it a combination of what's happening in society and what's happening in your own parents uh, and your own upbringing that uh, gives you your money story? All of that and more, uh, absolutely. The most fundamental understanding about our relationship with money then is not to necessarily know just more about financial and economic principles, but appreciating how our minds and brains affect our money behavior. The beliefs and decisions from the sources that you described and a whole lot of intermingling can determine money behavior or a money story that's not really about money per se at all. Uh, Money is sort of the portal to the immaterial and the intangible. So money, uh, people think that money can solve their problems and make them happier. Is that basically true or not true? And how, how does that opinion affect the money decisions people make? Well, it makes sense that someone thinks that it can solve problems because it can change problems, but it really isn't about, so many of the things aren't about money. For example... The majority of divorces are about money, but money is simply what the issues, the emotional issues may hitchhike on. Money becomes a Rorschach that we project all kinds of things, both for ourselves and a partner or a colleague, so that it becomes important to really sort out the entire aspect of what it really is when we think it's about money. So some, uh, there are some ways that people waste money quite foolishly. What are some of those ways, and how, what is the kind of psychic underpinning of why people waste money? Well, as you said, we, we do some goofy things with money. Intelligent people, for example, spend money they don't have. Sophisticated people scheme and, and get scammed. Rational people trade in leisure time for money to buy back some of what they just forfeited. Gifted people may not be able to figure out exactly how to exchange their talent for appropriate income. Otherwise, balanced people may spend extravagantly or hoard compulsively. Reliable people can ignore financial matters until they snowball. People with integrity can write their own exceptions to rules about money. I'm in Houston, home of Enron, home of Sanford, and those are just two of many. Well, you lived through it then. So explain the psychic underpinning of what happened with Enron. I mean, it was a great story. I guess everybody wanted to believe it. The employees were getting all rich there, and then it all became a, a mirage. What, what are the psychic underpinnings of how Enron was able to get away with it? Well, one thing that happens, and this is something that I'm exploring and beginning to do research and writing on now, is how to handle extreme success. 
when someone has phenomenal success, they may lose the grounding that they have and the principles that brought them there because it's a different matter to manage extreme success, such as wealth, such as fame, such as various accolades. I work with pro athletes and actors as well as executives who have phenomenal success. And once that happens, you enter a kind of zone where you believe you're invincible. Now, a, a very simple example of this. Let's, let's get to something very simple that everyone could recognize. What we know now is that it's not the spending of money that creates the release of dopamine, the pleasure chemical, and, and the pleasure of the acquisition of an object. It's the anticipation of it. It's the same thing that keeps us reading a book, a novel, listening to someone. We want to know what's next. It's, if, if you hook up some people and they go to a slot machine, the spike of dopamine, the pleasure chemical, is before they ever touch the machine. So when someone goes shopping, for example, it's the anticipation of the purchase that creates dopamine. So when they actually do the purchase, it's not exactly as exciting as they thought it might be. Now, a bigger version of that is buyer's remorse. You've anticipated for a long time buying something. You actually buy it. And it's not as exciting as you thought. You've moved from the sprint system to the marathon system in your brain. So then you're much more vulnerable to buy the next thing to try to keep that going. And the same with extreme success. You do various things to keep that success and the excitement of it ever expanding. Daniel Kahneman at Princeton called it the hedonic treadmill. We get accustomed to something, such as accustomed to purchase or accustomed to success, and we have to have more of it to keep going. So when people have extreme success or fame or money or some other metric of that, they want to keep it going, and they may lose the grounding of the bounds of you, the usual framework of, of ethics or even business principles. So that's kind of a wide variation of that, but that's an, an example of how it's important to know the mind and brain principles behind what we do so that we can know how to self-regulate and how to create stepwise goals and to know what enough is. One, one uh, kind of un, un -journey, a, a research that wouldn't make a journal but that I did with several hundred people with whom I spoke and did keynotes is I would pass out a card, uh, an index card, and I had three numbers on it. And I would ask them to put down one word or one figure answers and agreed to treat it confidentially. The three questions were, what's the one thing that money means to you? The one word that first comes to mind. Two, what is your current annual income? And three, what would your current annual income need to be for you to feel happy, content, not to worry about money? And, of course, the, the number one was the usual range of the things that I mentioned, autonomy, worth, security, freedom, love, opportunity. Over 90% of several hundred people, and this was a wide range of economic backgrounds, 
basically said that it would take twice as much that they were making now for them to be happy and worry-free. And, if, for example, somebody who was making 100000 now thought it would take around 200 And in follow-up with them, the people who then moved to 200 their new figure was close to 400 So there was a trailing double. So that emphasizes, in, in one respect, to know what enough is. Because more is not a goal. Later is not a time. When you reach it, then you can celebrate and reassess instead of being on that treadmill to always seek more, as some of the individuals most likely did who you who, who began this question. Yes, indeed. It's very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Kruger. Uh, he is an executive mentor coach and CEO of MentorPath. He's also the author of a new book called Your New Money Story, The Beliefs, Behaviors, and Brain Science to Rewire for Wealth. You can find out more about him at his website, which is mentorpath.com. We'll be back after this. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know what's going on in your business. Often the biggest problem that growing businesses have, which keeps the owner from knowing the correct numbers, is they have a hodgepodge of business systems. They may have one system for accounting, another for sales, yet another for inventory, which makes for a big, inefficient mess. That takes up too much of your time and resources, which hurts your bottom line. Coming to the rescue is NetSuite by Oracle. It's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. It gives you the visibility and control of your business that you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by tracking sales, finance and accounting, orders, and human resources instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud-based business system. Thousands of the best-known brands and fastest-growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business, and now you can too. When you use the system, you will optimize processes, drive operational excellence, and sell across more channels. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide called Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, which you can get at netsuite.com slash moneyanswers. That's netsuite.com slash moneyanswers to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. That's netsuite.com slash moneyanswers. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Kruger. He's an executive mentor coach and CEO of MentorPath. You can find out more at his website, mentorpath.com, and is the author of a new book called Your New Money Story, the Beliefs, Behaviors, and Brain Science to Rewire for Wealth. Welcome back to the show, David. Thanks. Great to be so here. So y- you were talking about uh, this kind of wanting the new uh, stimulus all the time, I guess you might say. If you understand what you just talked about and how do you get off the hedonistic treadmill, I guess you say. And if, you know, if you understand it, are you supposed to resist uh, that wanting of dopamine? What are you supposed to do about it? Well... It's about regulating a state of mind. Whenever someone is spending money, then the most likely thing they're going to do next is spend more money, whether that's logging on to a a shopping site online or in a store. So one way to think about that is to regulate states of mind and to pause before a purchase. Uh, there's There's a blog uh, at my site on 14 ways to avoid spending more. So there are some tips there, and in the book, uh, there are some lists about that. But what will be most helpful is to pause and then get grounded and centered. You know, one way to think about it is let me think about that and get back to it or get back to you. That is a decision because when you sleep on it, that changes your state, and the next day you're able to look at it in a more balanced way because when there's an emotional decision, and that's an oversimplified way of saying there's more right brain exposure there to whatever you do, and when you're in an emotional state, your right brain, the emotional brain, can seize and hold hostage your left state, left brain. So you make decisions that aren't necessarily reasonable or justifiable in a, in a more balanced state. A simple example here is when we spend money, that creates a dopamine release and the anticipation creates a pleasure. Now, credit card companies know this, and when people buy on a credit card, they spend 23% more than when they pay by cash or check because it only activates the part of the brain that anticipates pleasure, the part of the brain that pays money, that gives up something we have, like an amputation, is a very different part of the brain. It's, it's the, the pain center of the brain. So it also moves it to the abstract. And whenever we think about the abstract instead of the specific, it makes it more vague. Paying next month. Well, I'll, and then there's the optimism by. Well, I'll ha- I'll have more next month, and I'll I'll take care of it then. So there are a number of factors that come together that kind of help us to want to continue that state, and then we have to have an accountability for it. You know, another aspect of that 
is to look at our choices and question our ideas and probe our reasoning. Those three things. What choices are worth making? How much does each choice cost? Because whenever we spend $100 now, there are two things to think about. One is, if you put that in a retirement fund and invest it tax-free for 30 years, what would it be worth in 30 years? So you're spending for your future self. And there have been some recent studies that show that when we can envision our future self, we save two to three times as much for retirement. There have been some studies out of, out of Stanford that show when we do age progression views of ourselves over time, we save more because that helps to envision a future self. Same with, with weight, with eating, with a whole number of things. But the opportunity cost, another variation in a here and now way, is, to, to put it very simply, if, if you spend a dollar for an apple and you only have a dollar, you can't spend a dollar for a pair. So the opportunity cost is you don't get a pair. So in a here and now way, if you have a finite number of dollars, then it makes it even more important to make a decision based on what you want and what opportunities you're giving up. If you don't have an internal bargaining of saying, well, I'm going to charge it or I'm going to put it off to next month to pay, if you really deal with it as a finite reality, then you make a choice on the basis of right now and the money that you have, not a future abstraction. So whatever meanings and significance we attribute to money, the one reality that money determines across all classes and all cultures and all kinds of emotional meaning, choices. Money is about choice. So, so the, the society today is so much, the society today, David, is so much about instant gratification and Advertising is about buying things now, not waiting 30 years to get the payoff. So how do you have people feel good or have an emotional high out of uh, delaying gratification instead of buying things now that give them a high in the short term? Well, one way is to envision a future self and to have a tangible reality of what that will be if you actually do the calculation of what it will be at a time in the future. There are a lot of variables that you don't know about inflation, but it makes it tangible and real and specific. You know, another is to have a specific goal in the near future that you have a purpose for each pile of money that you have. If you have a goal of traveling to a specific destination next summer, then you have a way of saving and envisioning that because it creates a vision. Whenever we envision something, it creates the same change in our brain as actually seeing it. The brain doesn't know whether you've imagined it or whether it's coming through the optic nerve. So when you have a vision, you have a very tangible 
and specific goal so that you have a choice point, a decision that's now or next. And here, here's a, an important principle behind this. Whenever you want to change or to create a new habit or change a habit that you have, focus on the system rather than just the goal. The goal is future and abstract, but having it and having a system can create a map because when you have a map, you know where you are, you know where you're going, you can measure progress along the way, stepwise, shrinking the change to what's the next best thing, and you can tell what's detour and what's distraction. So if you can only focus on one thing, within that system, it's what do I do next? And that may help at times with feeling overwhelmed and so many things or so many things. What's the next best thing? And then in one way of thinking about it, that's all we ever have to do in life is do the next best thing. It helps to have yeah. a plan and a strategy, but that system can be immensely beneficial. You talk a lot in the book about how difficult it is for people to change uh, their habits and so on. Why is it so difficult to change when the way they're changing too makes so much sense and what they're doing now does not make sense in many cases? Well, uh, as, as we touched on before, the, the surface story of what we know and think logically, consciously, intellectually is only a small part of the brain, but that's not the part of the brain that we make decisions with. We know now from neuroeconomic research that we make emotional decisions at the midbrain up to 10 seconds before we actually are consciously aware of what those decisions are so that we can have logical conscious goals but then emotionally can override that to decide and then make it make sense and really believe ourselves. So it's important to know the principles of what we're doing. And another way of looking at it, whenever we have a belief, an attachment pattern to someone or to money or to spending, any belief or any fact is an anatomical reality in our brains. And we don't just override a fact by presenting a better one. It doesn't overwrite that because it's an anatomical reality. It's a pathway in a neuronal network in our brain. Now, change can occur, but it can occur only from the inside as well as adaptation to the outside. So here, here's another way of saying that. If facts and information were enough, we'd all be thin, we'd eat mostly vegetables, we'd work out every day, we'd have a lot of money saved up for the future, and a lot of librarians would be billionaires. But it's not about just facts and information, because that's not what creates change for us. It's a beginning, perhaps, but it's only a beginning, and it takes a work and a system and a dedication to that system, because change is not comfortable. The beginning of any change, because we're disrupting the automatic flow in our brain. It's kind of like if you drive to work the same way every day, after a month or so, 
your brain rewires because it does this from an evolutionary perspective to rewire what we do repeatedly. Yeah. So then if one day, instead of listening to the audio book, because we can, there's construction and we have to snake our way through neighborhood. That's work. It takes energy. We can't pay attention. So there's a resistance to change because the brain wants to continue what has been hardwired because that's been adaptive from an evolutionary standpoint. We expect what is hardwired. For example, yes. it takes only three repetitions for the brain to expect what's next. If a stock goes up two quarters in a row, the third time, the brain expects it to go up again. So we have to look at and perhaps override that natural inclination, and any change is uncomfortable. Yes. If someone in changing, and I do this in mentor coaching with, with individuals and, and teach my coaches this, it's important to recognize this discomfort not as a signal of, in an old system, anxiety equals danger, better head for cover, but this discomfort, this trepidation and uncertainty can be reframed as validation that you're moving ahead, a signpost of being in new territory. That's yes. when you're sure you have a plan and you're enacting that plan. That's a reframing that can be self-validating ultimately. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Kruger. He's an executive mentor coach and CEO of MentorPath. You can find out more about him and his work at MentorPath.com and also about his new book, Your New Money Story, The Beliefs, Behaviors, and Brain Science to Rewire for Wealth. We'll be back after this. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers in 2019, have you asked yourself what you're really paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, then passes those savings directly on to you. I got Mint Mobile on my phone, and it provided a very clear signal wherever I go, and it saved me about $150 a month over what I was paying before. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. That's mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash moneyanswers.
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Kruger. He's an executive mentor coach and CEO at MentorPath. You can find out more at his website, MentorPath.com, and also see his new book, Your New Money Story, the Beliefs, Behaviors, and Brain Science to Rewire for Wealth. Welcome back to the show, David. Great. It's good to be here. So let's bring this into the investing realm. So investing is loaded with emotions, both positive and when the market's going up, people feel really euphoric, and negative and depressed when the market's going down. Um, so how can you apply all of what you learned about the brain to help people become better investors and kind of get better control of their emotions and be more successful investors? Well, a beginning is to recognize that the brain has a mind of its own and we are of two or more minds. Some examples. The prefrontal cortex says, well, let's think about the 12-month game plan and retirement savings, but our emotional midbrain says, well, let's have that second cognac and buy the 27-inch iMac. Each part struggles over the same dollar and hopefully without tearing it. Another example, a company has increased profits 26 quarters in a row. This is a true story with a projected earnings growth to 24 cents per share from 23 cents for this reported quarter. They announce instead that they've only showing a profit of 22%, of 22 cents, one cent less than before, two cents less than projected. They lost $1.5 billion in the next five minutes. Now, those kinds of emotional decisions don't reflect market valuation, but they do reflect how the brain, how our brains work. 
emotions don't simply and only corrupt decision-making, but they can do various things with our motivation, with our savings. So it's important to have a plan, a game plan, that you stick with that doesn't vary with the climate or the temperature of right now or even this season. So here's another example of, of that. And this, this is a true story. And, and your listeners will be on to this before I do the punchline. 433 people voted on a proposal. It failed. If only 12 of those 433 people voted yes and stood a no, the outcome would have been exactly the opposite. The result, in the next few hours, the stock market lost $1.2 billion. Here's what one senior equity trader on Wall Street said. You just felt like the world was unraveling. People started to sell, and they sold hard. It didn't matter what you had, you sold. This is a herding instinct to show how vulnerable we are to emotional contagion. And this was in 2008, and in those dollars then, of the mortgage debacle. So, so if, if you see that coming, okay, say that the market's dropping sharply and you, your initial emotional feeling is you want to panic and sell everything and get out before it falls down sh- further, should you just resist that and do the opposite of what your emotions are telling you? And, and the same on the upside. The market's soaring. You're feeling very good. You want to put more money in. Should you resist that? H- how should you emotionally counter uh, you know, what's, what's taking over your brain? Well, emotions respond to line of sight, to this moment. And and we see something, we want to buy it, we want to sell it, we want to do something that happens even before. Remember from the neuroeconomics lab, we make a purchase decision up to 10 seconds before we're even aware of making that decision. So that says the emotional trigger is to be avoided and to have an overall plan. Now, here's another aspect. If you hook people up with the fMRI and show them 10 items, it's, almost, it's over 95% predictable which item, if they buy one item, which item each one will buy because it's the one that activates the part of their brain that has to do with their identity, with their story of how and who they are. So it's important to do two things from this. One is to have an overall game plan that isn't affected by daily variations. It doesn't mean you don't take in new information and reassess things on a regular basis, but that may be. And and I'm not an investment advisor. I do not give investment advice. I'm I'm a mentor coach. So it may be important to do that with a trained professional who's really good at this, who makes quarterly, yearly, and much longer projections and decisions. And the other is to know that we are more likely to decide what we want based on our identity, and that may create one of a number of biases. And uh, in, in the book, I list... Um, 
over two dozen various biases of money mistakes and financial fallacies that are in four categories, emotionally based biases, such as a nostalgia bias. You know, we, we you know, bet on who's going to, 10 bucks on who's going to win the Super Bowl, but we bet $500 on our alma mater winning the game, even though they have a losing season. season. That's a nostalgia bias, a behavioral bias, uh, a spending justification. We decide we are going to spend, we want to spend, when we create a just cause to spend, something that makes it make sense, which is, as neuroscientists tell us, that's the job description of the prefrontal cortex, is to make sense of decisions we've already made at the midbrain on an emotional basis. So that says even more to have a plan to involve another professional or professionals in this plan. Some people may do it by, um, by programs that look at algorithms, but financial professionals are keen to be aware of this kind of thing. Another, the, the, the third kind of bias uh, is cognitive bias, like an emotional equation. We give them money and emotional meaning and an attribution so that that sways or determines how we see it. Or even a, a social bias, like the collective tilt, the herd mentality or group momentum that can happen very quickly in the example you gave of you know the the sudden stock market change the the big drop or the big and it's as important to manage emotions like we discussed just briefly with remarkable success it's just as hard to manage emotions with extreme success as it is extreme failure extreme good news like a stock jumping up or the market jumping up and the bad news and i see this very on on a daily basis in working with investment professionals and sports professionals that the last play let, let me make it very simple in a with a with, with a pro athlete the last play can affect this current play whether it was really good or really bad both can get someone off center, so it's as important to get grounded and centered, and regulate states of mind and manage emotions with extreme success, as it is extreme bad news. A, a very simple approach to this, uh, and it's a free webinar on the homepage of Mentor Path, is master states of mind. There's a mini system about how to do that and a, a download that the, the readers can listen to, see what you think, and it's, I think, something that may address this question in a more elaborate way than, than we have time for. Very good. That'll be very helpful. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is uh, Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour, David Kruger, is an executive mentor coach, CEO of MentorPath. His new book is called Your New Money Story. The Beliefs, Behaviors, and Brain Science to Rewire for Wealth. And you can find out more about him at his website, MentorPath.com. We'll be back after this. ClearBank is changing the way entrepreneurs raise money by providing equity-free capital. 
co-founder Michelle Romanow, star of Canada's Dragon's Den TV show, which is kind of the Canadian version of Shark Tank, co-founded ClearBank with her partner, Andrew D'Souza, after seeing how many uh, companies were willing to part with precious equity in exchange for marketing money. ClearBank believes that founders shouldn't have to give up a piece of their company to fund marketing and inventory expenses. ClearBank can provide your company with $10,000 to as much as $10 million without you having to give up a stake in your firm. You can get a term sheet with all the details in less than 20 minutes once you contact them. ClearBank charges a small flat fee for the capital, and then you pay them back by sharing in the revenue that your company generates by expanding its marketing. It's not a loan. There's no interest rate, no maturity date, no personal guarantees, no credit checks, and no financial covenants. ClearBank connects you to marketing agencies, e-commerce professionals, venture capitalists, accountants, and others to help your business grow. They've invested over $150 million last year, and they're on track to invest over a billion dollars this year. Some notable companies they've helped are Public Goods, Lisa Sleep, and Latote. So if your business is generating over $10,000 a month in revenue, find out how you can qualify for ClearBank Capital by getting your term sheet in 20 minutes at clearbank.com answers. That's C-L-E-A-R-B-A-N-C dot com slash answers. ClearBank, get back to doing what you love most, growing your business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, David Kruger, is an executive mentor coach and CEO of MentorPath. His new book is called Your New Money Story, The Beliefs, Behaviors, and Brain Science to Rewire for Wealth. His website, MentorPath.com. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you. So you talk in your book about what you call the roadmap system as a way of understanding and revising your money story. Maybe explain how that works a little bit. Okay. This is a way to understand each person's relationship to money, kind of a deconstructing the algorithms of what goes into it. Remember I said if you... Whenever you want to address change, you need a system. 
And this is a specific system to recognize the components of a story in order to address change. One is to recognize authorship, that you're writing your money story. It's not just happening to you. From every assumption and every choice about earning, spending, and saving. Second, and the roadmap is the acronym for the seven steps. Second, to own your story. Accountability is a prerequisite to change. And we talked about uh, the various choices and opportunity choices about, about money. Third, to assess the plot and the storylines. In other words, to recognize the behaviors, the hidden messages, and the language of mind and emotion that goes into your money story. Next, decide what to change to make informed choices about what story components to keep, to let go, to change, or to enhance. And one simple way to think about it, if it works, do more of it. If it doesn't work, do something else. And fifth, to map changes. This is important to have goals and success strategies because with the map, you can see what progress is, you can shrink the change to a stepwise progression, and with each step, feel an effectiveness and mastery. And this is what keeps you going day by day. Next, to author new experience to create the money story you want, whether that's changing something now or creating something different. And then the last step is so important, to program new identity. To say this a different way, the most powerful force of the human psyche is that we return to our identity, to how and who we feel we are, the bedrock of our sense of self. So if we make a change of any piece of behavior or any change in our life, unless we incorporate that into a transformed model of how and who we are, our identity, then we're going to return to the former identity. So with making changes, it's important to keep that a current version of your current money story about who you are now, how you're doing this as part of your authentic self to incorporate the changes by this corresponding internal growth. Tell us a little bit about some of the, the tools that are available at MentorPath.com that help people implement what you're talking about here. Okay. There are, uh, uh, there are some tabs at top under the, uh, under the, the uh, article section. There are some white papers uh, that might be useful. Under the library tab, there are a list of resources from books to programs. Uh, for example, one, one program is either audio or CD, Your New Money Story, and a corresponding workbook. It can be digital or it can be a hard copy sent from my uh, fulfillment house. And this really looks at and is built around the roadmap system. The summary I just gave you is a beginning, and if that is enough, then you're in business. If something more, and the roadmap is the very central part of the book that, that just came out from Roman and Littlefield. The, the roadmap is detailed in stepwise 
overview and construction about how to do that for the reader in the new money story. So that's the simplest version of that is to look at it, have it right in front of you, and to use it as a workbook. So tell people a little bit, if they wanted to work with you, what are you looking for to have a client be successful? And, you know, when people come to you, how do you know if it's going to work? Well, as, as a mentor coach, I help practicing and performing professionals write the next chapter of their success story. So what I do is to discuss, for example, briefly with someone what their goals are, what they want to do, what's worked and not worked, and then if I make a recommendation for individual mentor coaching, then we will work, for example, on a weekly basis by telephone, and I will additionally supply resources, materials to supplement whatever would be most helpful in addition to our weekly discussions. But in the process and the content of what emerges in the discussion, we're able to strategize to look at a more effective experience. For example, when I work with financial professionals, some of that may include their relationship with money. Some of it may include simply strategies to engage with clients to incorporate neural marketing success principles, influence persuasion uh, principles, as well as ways to incorporate appreciative inquiry and conversational intelligence in their exchange with people. Another example is I work with organizations to help them develop an internal mentoring program. So much of what we do is about emotional and social intelligence, about conversational intelligence, about how to further the stories of the individuals and the entity, the corporation, the department, whatever that they're doing. So So it's about enhancing their effectiveness using the mind and brain sciences. In about two minutes we have left, why don't you kind of summarize what a difference it will make in people's lives if they take control of their money story instead of what's happening to a lot of people where it's kind of happening to them? Well, it changes the point of reference from an external one to have whatever happens determined by someone else, by a former set of experiences like the attachment and behavioral and emotional patterns, or the markets and what's happening there to each individual is the protagonist of his or her story. Whatever you experience, you either create or accept. And and to say that in a slightly different way, whatever you think and feel and experience is what you create each moment. So this is about understanding the principles of the mind and brain sciences to more successfully create a new story or to evolve and change aspects of a present story. Fantastic. Well, this will really help people take control of their lives in a new way. Uh, thank you Absolutely. so much. My and guest the this hour. of control is mastery. Absolutely. My guest this hour has been David Kruger. He's an executive mentor coach and CEO of MentorPath. You can see more about him at his website, mentorpath.com. And also find out about his new book, Your New Money Story, 
the beliefs, behaviors, and brain science to rewire for wealth. Thanks so much for being a great guest on The Money Answer Show, David. It was a total privilege to be here. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.